Welcome back, everybody. It's CFP Winning Edge, the podcast edition. I'm your host, Scott Bogman. Follow me on the Twitter at Bogman Sports. I'm joined, as always, by Nicholas Ian Allen, the man, the myth, the legend, at CFP Winning Edge on the Twitter, and Xavier Trish, father of the year, at Xavier underscore Trish, C-R-I-C-H-E. On the Twitter, we are brought to you by Campus to Canton. Please follow them on Twitter as well. Campus, the number two, and Canton. Football's stupid. Uh, I hate it. Uh, I hate that I love it. I hate that I'm doing this show uh, two days after my team loses. Uh, I hate that I had hope at the end of the game. I'm just a hateful person today, Nick. I know you're not surprised by that, but uh, two unbelievable games in the final, you know, four team college football playoff that we're going to have uh, for this foreseeable future. Um, but uh, obviously, I mean, look, the Longhorns were never really in it. They tied it. It was back and forth a little bit, but they never led. They did, definitely did not deserve to win that game. Um, but Bama and Michigan was also back and forth. That was uh, kind of a wild game, too, because it was like, all right, well, Alabama cannot score. And then it was like, well, Michigan can't score. And then everybody scored at the end. So uh, except for Alabama on that last play where Milrow got the bad snap. So. Um, just great games to end the season here before the natty and, um, tell us about the record and your thoughts on these games, Nick. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I, we had a bit of a, a pre-show, you know, we're about 15 yeah. minutes in here, uh, but, uh, you know, condolences, of course, it was, uh, uh, tough to see knowing how invested you are by, yeah, from, uh, just the standpoint of, of, uh, college football fan and there definitely have been plenty of things to you know uh, plenty of times where where we haven't gotten the best of college football this year but that you know back to back two playoff games national championship on the line uh a game that went to overtime and the game where you know like you said the the one team who who hadn't led all game had a chance to win it on the final play um about as much as you could hope for in, in that situation. So uh, it's, uh, you know, strange thinking. We were also talking a little bit about one of the later segments in this show and, and how we're going to have to really start wrapping our heads around the idea of 12 playoff teams because I am definitely not not there yet hmm. um, and kind of what the path is to, to get one of those, you know, spot 9, 10, 11, something like that. But uh, but yeah, just from a, a game standpoint, those two were uh, incredibly fun to watch. Um, just a, a super <laughs> impressive performance. You were talking about it before we hit record. Um, you know what Michael Penix did uh, is just unstoppable. You know uh, the the accuracy, um, the the just ability to evade the pass rush. I mean, he just, he's, uh, incredible to watch. And, and that was one of the, uh, one of the best games <laughs> that I can remember, uh, a quarterback putting together, you know, in, in recent memory. So, um, really, really fun to watch Alabama didn't play particularly well, but you could still see them, you know, if they had found a way that that team had the potential to, to win, uh, the national championship. Um, and as we'll, you know, we'll talk about a little bit later, it always seemed like they were a year away kind of anyway. 
Um, but so we're going to be treated to, I think, a, a really, really fun national championship game. Um, there's a lot to look forward to, I think, for both Texas and Alabama in future years. Uh, but as far as, you know, bowl season itself, uh, the record ended up pretty good. Um, we were 23 and 18 straight up, same record in our team strength projections. That's 56.1%. So that'll go up or down one, depending on what happens in the national championship. Uh, the talent edge projection was one game better, 24 and 17, 58 and a half percent. The prism number is not great. The totals number is not great. Uh, we were at 43.9% and 46.3% on those respectively. Uh, we did have a winning record in our wrong team favored. Uh, we were six and five in those, and that totaled up to uh, over four and a half units on the positive side. So that's a good performance. Are all three agree just across the board had a winning record? Those are 13 and 11. And then the ones that we've really been tracking the last, you know, 10, 12 uh, weeks, um, the, basically after uh, September, started tracking the all three agree on the favorite side. We were four and two in those, so finished with a, a great record there this season. Um, unfortunately, the you know I talked a little trash before it started. Our campus to Canton Bowl Mania, <laughs> uh, which had some different lines that we were working with, were, were definitely uh, unlucky on on some. Just sort of where the the cutoff point hit for our projections. We're twenty and twenty in forty eighth place. So it looks like forty seven people are going to have an opportunity to to win. Uh, that jersey, so I'm a, I'm a little bit embarrassed by that. But uh, overall, the the you know the numbers uh, for the season and for for bowl season uh, feel pretty good about. It. And, you know the the team strength and the talent edge; those are the ones that we adjust for uh, injuries and opt outs and and all that stuff, which of course have been so huge um, this year. We were talking in the campus Canton uh, Slack the other day about you know, the record for backup quarterbacks and they're like 14, 15 games or something where it was a, a starter versus a backup. There were multiple games where there were two backups in for a variety of reasons. Uh, so, you know, it, it, it's good that we ended up on the right side of, uh, of things and, and shows that that work pays off uh, when it comes to making those adjustments that, that we do. Um, so overall, you know, a lot to, lot to be happy about the performances. But then, of course, you know, the reason we do it, the games themselves were, were pretty great as well. Xavier, your thoughts on the uh, semifinal games here? Yeah, honestly, I think the best teams won. And, and, and this is where, for me, when watching both contests, I couldn't help but be annoyed at the, the, the follies of, you know, 18, 19, and 20-year-olds. Um, how many muff punts do we need, guys? I, you know, that almost changing the complexion in both games, or well, changes the complexion in both games, you know, once, almost in the Michigan game, doing it twice, right? Almost being the reason why they lost the game. Uh, but I don't even fault that kid in that, in that perspective, Michigan. Why are we changing our punt return on the last punt return of the game? That made absolutely no sense to me. That was his first time all game taking a punt. Um, so I just don't understand that decision. And in the Washington game, get your body behind it, you know, simple rules. But more than anything, I felt that the mistakes from the better teams is what was keeping the other teams in it. Um, obviously, in the Michigan game, you have the muffed punt. You have the muffed snap um, for the extra point. You even have the missed field goal. So that's, what, a 
an eleven point swing, all things considered, um, in, in that in that game in particular, that that kept Bama in it, a Bama team that I thought just wasn't ready talent wise. And I can't believe I'm really saying that, but that's what it felt like watching the game. Jalen Milrow just didn't look ready for the moment, um, and Michigan took advantage of that. I really thought Michigan did a really good job forcing Milrow to be uh, a pre-snap quarterback. Um, you know, finding the blitzes, changing protections, audibling at the line of scrimmage. Something that I really feel like, you know, and we'll talk about it, obviously, they won't get away with as much with Penix. But forcing him to see things before the snap happens um, and making him, you know, do the little do, go go above just being able to be allowed to be an athlete back there. Um, I thought on the on the Bama side, they did a really good job stopping the run. I mean, they sold out. Uh, they sold out a thousand percent on making sure that Blake Corum and Donovan Edwards did not kill them. Um, and it worked for you know pretty much the entire game out you know outside of really one drive. And I, and I really think that that was something that we talked about coming into this game was which quarterback could make the throws. And you know, JJ McCarthy ultimately made the throws. Um, shout out to Roman Wilson with one hell of a catch on a, what was if it, what was a tipped pass. Um, so even more kudos to JJ McCarthy for that throw in particular. But yeah, I mean he made the throws down the stretch. Um, I really respected the way that I felt Michigan called that game offensively. Um, I just I, you know in a game where I feel like teams can go a little bit too cute. You saw a singular cute play call and they never did that again. Right, you see the flea flicker on second down, and they were like, "Yeah, we're not gonna do that ever again." Um, you know, um, and so I really respected that in that in that um, in the Washington Texas game. I mean, I felt like it was gonna be a high scoring matchup because I felt like neither defense was going to do was going to be able to stop either offense. I felt like the the real difference in this game was going to be pressure up front. Texas gets a lot of pressure in, in the interior, uh, but not a lot on the um, on the edges. On the flip side, the complete opposite for Washington, right? ZFT and Braylon Trice um, are their two edges, and where they don't get a lot of pressure on the interior, their exterior is, you know, maybe the best remaining in in the playoff at this point, right? Um, outside of Dallas Turner, Braylon Trice is the highest rated edge in in the uh, in the playoff, and I thought they did a really good job forcing Texas to be extremely methodical in their offense. They made Texas drive every single time. Um, and they and they made them stick with the run game, which was an interesting tactic because I felt Texas is you know been you know Texas positive was going to be their run game. I thought they could run it all over Washington. Um, they did. They had 180 yards. Yeah, and I felt like Washington almost said to them, Texas, you don't have enough juice to continue to stick with the run game. Um, at the beginning of that game, it felt very indicative of the Bama, or sorry, the Georgia Oklahoma Rose Bowl which was like, we're on the Washington side, we're just going to pass it all around the yard, and we're going to score so many points that you can't stick with the one thing that you can do better than us, which, which is your run game. Um, and I thought Texas got away from it at times, um, especially going down there, what was that, I think 10 points there in the fourth quarter, deciding to maybe go, go away from it a little bit too much. But I did feel like, I did feel like in watching that game, I was like, if Texas can just get like three stops and just, just stick with the run game, they can't stop Baxter. They can't stop anything you're doing up front. If you can, if you can hold on to the football, will be obviously the other thing. And, and obviously Texas with two, uh, with two fumbles, one of which on was on on a, on a drive. So I, I really felt like you know Texas did 
too much to shoot themselves in the foot in that game, even though they still had a chance at the end of there. And also, I'm I'm going to propose this, even though I know it probably will fall on deaf ears. We got to maybe reevaluate um, the stopping of a clock or, or the way that the clock management situation happens at an injury or post-injury. Because Dylan Johnson being hurt there at the end of the game really changed the complexion of that game to an extent. Uh, you know, obviously him getting hurt stops the clock with 47 seconds. Texas probably instead has what? 27 seconds. I mean, yeah. they, they were supposed to, it, it was supposed to be burned down to the final seven seconds. Yeah. And, and instead they get 47, 47 seconds yeah. and two timeouts, which in college football is an eternity when first down stopped the clock. So I was, I was, I was thinking to myself, I was like, mm, Maybe we need to reevaluate how we. I agree with you. I just don't think there's much to be done. Right about it. Right. So. Right. I just yeah. I just feel like that was that was an interesting kind of situation there. My girlfriend was like, I would have told that kid to army crawl off the field. I was like, <laughs> like, like, I don't think he had the ability to move at that point. You see him writhing in pain. He's like, you would have been writhing in pain to the to the bench. We would we would have soaked up every single at, second. Come on, we're not we're not burning. Yeah, no, we're giving Coach it. Trish over here. I don't like no, it. No, for sure. She was she was none too happy with with him being hurt on that play. She was like, you don't get to put out uh, crawl, roll, barrel roll. Who cares? <laughs> you got off the field, kid. We we were we're we're saving precious seconds here. Uh, so yeah, uh, but I think it, both games were great, great finishes, obviously in both matchups. Um, and I think for the last four, I think. It was probably, I mean, arguably, this is probably the best semifinal. They probably had the best two semifinals in a row the, the last two years. Oh, for uh, sure. I was going to say it's either it was either this year or last year. Yeah, so I mean, yeah. I think that that's that's it's a lot to be. I, I don't think the, the the committee going to the twelve will have anything to to necessarily knock themselves for going forward because I think they gave us two exceptional semifinal matchups the last two seasons. And there's more on the way. Uh, with 12 teams going in next year, uh, it's going to be a lot of fun as well. Probably, it, it, yeah, I mean, it's only going to get more intense, right? So think about what, what March Madness does for basketball. I'm excited for the 12 team. <laughs> it's going to be a lot of fun. Right. But, um, yeah, uh, Nick, the, the rest of the, the, the record for bowl season was good. You also had, uh, like, your most interacted tweet, right? Uh, in a in a while, yeah. I I, uh, I think my amount of time spent on Twitter has never been higher because you know all the transfer portal stuff and and all that. Um, but I really don't tweet very much, and uh, so uh, you know I, I haven't had a lot of engagement recently. So there was one after the. Uh, semifinal games where Chris Vanini, who does a great job for the athletic, uh, covering a, a wide range of things, group of five football uh, being one of them, but, you know, general college football as well, um, you know, made a made a point that is is uh, understandable. But he went and found the 247 sports team talent rankings uh, of the two teams who are going to face off in the national championship game um and noted that Michigan is 14th and Washington is 26th. So the the 247 talent uh you know team talent uh does incorporate uh transfers and things like that. So it's gotten more and more um useful over the years, but I quote tweeted that and and uh some folks you know in, engaged uh with it, but it's it's to me, a, a pretty interesting and, and kind of 
um, proof of concept for what we do with our roster strength ratings because you know we we do incorporate those 247 ratings and rivals and on three you know all those sites do a great job have for a long time um but we you know there's a reason we adjust for experience and career production because uh while a lot of folks you know and and but elliot does a great job with the uh putting together the the uh blue chip ratio and, and kind of unearthing that is something that so far has been um you know every national championship i, I know every playoff winner um it might even go back farther than that but has had you know 50 percent or more uh blue chips on on their roster five-star and four-star players um michigan does meet that cutoff washington does not and so if if washington's able to to win this it'd be the first time um that that uh the team fell outside of that blue chip ratio but you know but follows up and, and has written uh often in the past that you know if there's a team that's gonna do it it's gonna be with elite quarterback play and and michael Penick certainly qualifies for that but um the reason i you know pointed this out uh, michigan is number one in our overall roster strength ratings and washington is number three so yeah if you just look at raw recruiting numbers um these are not the two most talented uh rosters out there but the you know the reason we we do what we do with roster strength and i'm not saying it's perfect but i think we have uh you know done some some things that uh, help give a little bit clearer picture or you know add some context or give a team credit for you know finding underrated players and developing them um like michigan like washington um because yeah i mean the the way we calculate it these are two of the three best uh or or most talented teams in the country and number two was alabama uh who was who was in the mix texas was eighth um georgia i believe we we said before was four um so you know it's no surprise that these are the teams who uh ended up making it to the playoff and, and have a shot at the, the national championship um, because they are, you know, not just raw talent, but, you know, they put those players in positions to be productive. And, and the way we calculate it, we try to capture some of that production and, and throw that into the mix as well. And, and yeah, at least this year um, it's worked out uh, pretty well for us that, that we unearthed a couple of teams that kind of the now more traditional way of looking at it um you know, thinks are less than talented or, or, you know, supremely elite talent teams. Um, but, you know, a lot of the folks that engaged with with this note were, um, you know, uh, coaches and and uh, folks on, on sort of the film side of things who are <laughs> uh, counting down all the uh, NFL draft picks that Michigan's going to have. I mean, the, you know, the, uh, the NFL doesn't think Michigan's the 14th most talented team. Uh, they think they're probably <laughs> a lot closer to, to number one. So, yes. um, yeah. So, so, it, you know, it, it was good to see that our numbers, um, one, you know, that, that the way things have shaken out, our numbers look pretty good as far as roster strength goes, but two that, you know, some other folks are, are recognizing that as well. So, uh, that's always, always great. I know I don't tweet a lot, um, and when I do, it's usually either just a link to uh, our Discord or, or, you know, to say something's been published or or some stupid joke. But, um, 
yeah, maybe maybe I should a little bit more <laughs> at least. When yeah, we have them, uh, to, got the to, number one, number three teams. Brag so, out a little bit. Yeah, yeah, I, I think so. I, I'm all here. I'm here for Nick to brag a little more. That that that's what I want for sure. Um, it, it, anything new year, else? new me. Yeah, that's right. Uh, it's gonna. Be, <laughs> this is the mean Nick we've all been waiting for. Uh, so any anything else on uh, the the games before we uh, move on to the transfer portal here? All right, well, let's go to it because we have some names in the portal. And Nick, I believe you said that things really started getting get it getting moving after Cam Ward decided to opt for the NFL draft, correct? Yeah, definitely. That that was sort of the uh, you know the domino uh, that that everybody was waiting on because it sounded like for a while he was down to Florida State or Miami. I know there are some rumors out there that. Uh, had the and it had already uh, forgotten the name Jeremiah Smith is that right the, the uh, number one wide receiver we talked about a bit who kind of dragged out uh, things a little bit and, and ended up at Ohio State apparently there was some sort of uh, rumor has it there was some sort of communication between the two of them and if you were to sign at Miami then Cam Ward would go to Miami I'm not 100% sure I believe that but who knows uh, so it looked for a little while like Florida State really had a shot at, at Cam Ward, but then he makes the announcements, going to the NFL, and then almost immediately we see DJ Uyunglele uh, commit to Florida State. Um, a little bit earlier in the day, we saw KJ Jefferson commit to uh, UCF, which is really kind of an interesting uh, thing. And then, you know, some of these these we've we've had a couple of quarterbacks um, enter. Uh, well, at least one, well, yeah, no, two, two, uh, group of five quarterbacks entered that are going to be really intriguing options on uh, New Year's Day. Jaden Maeva, the UNLV quarterback, who took over, you know, early September, uh, and played incredibly well. Retro freshman led UNLV to a spot in the, the Mountain West Championship game. Um, I thought he had entered the portal. I had him listed as as a outgoing transfer uh, for a few weeks, but apparently there was some confusion, or, or I was reacting to the wrong thing. He was not officially in. Uh, found out before we did our projections, you know, so made sure he was in there uh, for that bowl game. Um, but apparently, he had been considering the the portal and made an announcement on New Year's Day, and then uh, New Year's Day we also saw. Liberty quarterback Caden Salter uh, get knocked around a bit by Oregon and, and blowout fashion. So on January 2nd, um, maybe not a huge surprise that Salter, who had an incredibly productive year at Liberty um, and a pretty perfect fit scheme wise for Jamie Chadwell and, and that offense, uh, announced that he's going to enter the transfer portal. So as we're hearing, you know, Miami obviously missed on Cam Ward. They've been connected to or, or you know reported to have interest in just about everybody it seems at the quarterback position um seems like maybe salter somebody they're going to target auburn of course because of the connection there hugh freeze brought caden salter to liberty after he was uh, uh previously had signed at tennessee um so that'll be very interesting to see i know he had a great year i know he had some big moments I, from a just overall, is he a great quarterback uh, perspective? I'm not sure I'm really there on Caden Salter. Like, it seems like he was in a pretty perfect spot just to put up huge numbers and win football games 
at Liberty. I'm not a hundred percent sure that's going to translate to somewhere like Miami, maybe Auburn a little bit better, but um, I don't know. We'll see. But yeah, things after that Cam Ward news definitely got moving at the quarterback position. Um, and we've seen a couple of commitments as well. Also, excuse me, Ethan Kaliak Manis uh, from Minnesota. He is committed to Rutgers. Jan Chris from Louisiana. He's committed to Houston. Um, those guys may or may not start. Uh, not sure how things are going to shake out there. But um, the quarterback position is is really starting to, um, you know, we're starting to see those those moves uh, get finalized. And, and that seems to be the, you know, the one that gets everything else settled. We'll see commitments here or there. But once the quarterback's in place, a lot like we see on the recruiting trail um, in general, you know, then the rest of the class sort of comes together. And I expect we'll see that. Uh, a lot with these uh, transfer portal, transfer portal quarterbacks as well. Xavier, uh, DJU to Florida State. Is this a good move? I can't tell. Is DJU still good? It's the best move that they could have possibly made. I mean, you really look out there outside of him and maybe Will Howard. I think those are your two most, the two quarterbacks left at that juncture that could ele actually elevate that roster going into next year. Um, I think for everything that we've seen with DJU over this past year, Oregon State, He's still good enough to run an offense that can compete at the highest level. Um, and we, we've got to get, get you know, and I think you, I mean, and realistically, you also look at Jordan Travis last year. Uh, elite quarterback play is not what I would necessarily say he was last year in particular. Above um, think, average. Yeah, yeah, I think he was right elite. above average. And I don't think that when you look at Florida State last year, even though that their offense could be explosive and could be extremely entertaining at times, that defense is what was killing everybody. Um, I think that, you know, the, the defense did enough every game to allow the offense to go through its ups and downs and figure it out. Um, and I think this year's not going to be not a lot different when you look at Florida State. They're going to have a defense that can play with anybody in the country, and they're going to have an offense that once it gets cooking, it's, it, it, can, it can cook. But sometimes that takes a little so, – sometimes that takes – um, a little bit more time than, you know, some of our higher-end offenses that kind of, you know, start off faster. Um, and DJU is one of those guys who I think at the end of the day, you understand what he can do. You understand the limitations at this point in his career. Um, but none of those stop you from winning games. And that's never been the issue with DJ, um, whether it was at Clemson or, or at Oregon State. I think the kid at this point has got to be well above 500 record as a quarterback in college football. So you, you look at that and you go, can you win games with him? Yes. Okay, cool. Now surround him with the proper talent. Make sure that the defense is all there. And you, you're going to have a chance to go ahead and repeat it as ACC champions. You know, obviously he understands the conference. He knows the conference like the back of his hand. He was there. He was at, he was in the ACC for three years, um, played over, what, 30-something games in the ACC. So it's not like this is a guy who's going to be unfamiliar with the talent that he's playing against week in and week out. Um, and now we now have an extremely fun game that's going to be on both their schedules. It's obviously, I think, I think Clemson plays Florida State. I think it's in Tallahassee, though. This year, if I'm not mistaken, it be fun. Uh, obviously, with DJ playing what was supposed to be, you know, the incumbent in K and K Klubniks, who I would say at this point, Clemson fans are a little uh, wishy washy about at this, at this current moment. So, no way. Uh, Clemson fans are yeah. upset about something. Uh, well, you know, you know, that's kind of their thing now when you're not winning, <laughs> you're just upset about life. But yeah, I just no, think, so you I, know, so. you and me, <laughs> yeah, Clemson fans, yeah. yeah, we get it. So at least you guys sure. have won something recently. <laughs> Sorry. Nah, I'm, on a, I'm on a self-pity tour. So 
No, uh, what I said to Nick, I was like, yeah, well, at least the Dimebacks lost in the World Series, so that's good. You know, <laughs> uh, it's, it's all going great. So, right. uh, any other transfers that, that uh, really stick out to you here that uh, you find interesting? Yeah, KJ Jefferson, obviously, going to Ark- uh, going to UCF is going to be fun. Yeah, um, that's a kid I who's, think so, who's talent. I think at the, at, folks are excited about that. Well, yeah, I think his talent at the <laughs> SEC level was – I think his talent at the SEC level was right around above average. But his talent at in the Big 12 next year, I think, is going to be good to great. And I think that he's going to be allowed to be a little bit more creative and a little bit more uh, uh, with the offense. Um, I know he'll be used more as a runner than – he was at, at, at Arkansas, especially last season in particular. Uh, but you put a guy who was 6'3", 250 with that offense and let him figure it out. Yeah, I don't Got some good receivers, too, and they're coming yeah, back. He can't be really good for them. Um, and Jeremiah Hunter going to Washington. Will Rogers, you know, Washington making sure that Will Rogers has somebody to throw to next season um, is, is very important for a team that, I genuinely think has an opportunity to compete its first year in the Big Ten. Obviously, it'd be a lot more fun to to do so as the the reigning national champion. But I talked about it. I thought Will Rogers was one of the best quarterbacks in the transfer portal, and I thought he went to one of the best situations when you really look at Washington the way that they use their quarterbacks um, and what Kalen DeBoer has always shown in that in that respect. So. You get himself a high-end receiver. You talk about maybe one of the one of the three guys that they currently play with comes back. Um, maybe it's Jalen Polk. I don't. I don't know if McMillan will come back. I feel like he's he's going to get too high of a draft grade for him to do so. But maybe he comes back as well. And you find yourself with an offense that can compete with everybody next year. Um, so yeah, I, I'm I'm excited to see what he can do under DeBoer and, and whether or not you know he can. I'm not going to say he's going to be the next Roman Dooms. I'm not, I'm not going that far. Uh, but he's definitely got a, got a talent base that I think will be very useful for that offense. All right. Anything more on the transfers? Or uh, Nick has put together a way too early top 25, which I love. Quick question for all you guys. <laughs> Quick question for you, Nick. I'll ask you that. Where do you think Caden Salter would be best used? Liberty. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say. He <laughs> Liberty, so. But if he's going to a Power 5 uh, program – uh, I mean, Auburn is, you know, there, there's a, uh, there is a fit there, uh, which, which makes a certain amount of sense. Um, okay, I don't know. I, I don't uh, think it's Miami. Um, you know, I would have, you know, what I would have loved for him, for him to go, even though I know that's not going to happen because of their love affair with a certain freshman. I think him at Tennessee would have been so fun. Going back to Tennessee, well, yeah, yeah, but oh man, people are. Oh, uh, I know. People it love won't Nico, so. <laughs> it, it, won't, it won't happen. They won't uh, touch the ten foot pole. But I would have loved to see him in, in an offense similarly to what he was running at Liberty, um, and allowing him to continue to, to to develop as a quarterback in an offense that is necessary for him. I think to, to continue to develop in, at the rate that he was. I'm not sure that it's at all possible, <laughs> but um, a fit. Uh, scheme wise that that could be fun uh i'm very interested to see what the stanford offense looks like moving forward um and they don't take a lot of transfers um for one and and academic standards are are through the roofs and i have no idea what cadence all you know don't want to say positively or negatively uh necessarily but fit wise you know scheme wise that one would be kind of interesting 
Um, but I don't know. It just it it. I know there are some folks. You know, I mean, they're the the Debbie team, the the you know Campus to Canton folks who specialize in in uh, the format where you have a you know, taxi squad or, or uh, you know kind of a shorter roster um, of college players on your NFL side. It's it's a geared much more toward um, you know your projection as a as a pro um than campus canton leagues or or uh, cff leagues of course but there there are some folks in that group who are excited about caden salter and quite honestly i mean you guys know better than i do on on draft stuff for sure i just i don't see it for him uh but maybe i'm wrong i don't i don't know i i just feel like he kind of he found the right spot and you know, sure, there's bigger and better, um, you know, get into a bigger spotlight, get yourself, uh, I mean, Liberty played the the worst schedule in college football this year um, until facing Oregon. So, yeah, taking a step up in, in competition uh, could be key for him to, to prove himself to NFL scouts. But I don't know. You can win a lot of games and, and put up some incredible numbers in that Liberty offense. And uh I just, I'm not 100% sure it, it really, tra- or there's really another perfect fit out there or, or you know, the next closest thing to me right now seems like a little bit of a, a potential trouble spot, if that makes sense. All right, let's get into this top 25 because I'm excited for it. I'm I'm particularly excited for it. You need to tweet this out, Nick. I was going to say, I'm probably going to have to, yeah. right? So <laughs> so usually the the way too early top 25s, I know ESPN is the first one I remember. They've done it for a decade or more. It was always the day after the, the national championship game. You're, you're probably – I'm surprised we actually haven't seen any. I was just looking – I think there was like a Texas team site that did one. But other, other than that, none of the, who was none of the big ones – uh, I, I, it, it, uh, I didn't even get to the, get to the top scrolling down. There were like 84 ads and I kind of stopped, but, um, probably I would expect Texas to be pretty high. Uh, but the, yeah, I'm surprised we haven't really seen any of the, the big ones come out yet. Um, or the, the, you know, major brand names. Uh, but I always love this stuff and, now it means even less than it ever did before because, you know, how many uh, teams are going to be impacted by the transfer portal and we don't know, you know, even who's moved on to the NFL and, and all that sort of stuff. But I, I do think we've had a pretty good track record. I think back to, to 2019, um, I don't know if we did an official top 25, but I know we had a discussion about, you know, national champion contenders the the day after you know the show before or after the national championship game and, and we talked about lsu and that ended up working out really well um so i've gotten pretty good at, at sort of seeing where things are going as far as our numbers and certainly there are plenty of things that will change once we find out officially who's coming back who's not um when we get some surprising news you know in the spring or, or fall camp um but for the most part I feel pretty good about where I have teams kind of slotted, um, at least in tiers. I, th- I think there are like, a, you know, these are top five contenders. These are top 10 contenders. These are top 20 type teams. And then these teams you could see as being top 
top 25 or so. Um, so definitely interested in your feedback. But but as of right now, this is my my best guess on our our way, way too early top 25 power rankings, team strength power rankings that take into account those roster strength ratings, all that stuff we usually talk about. These are not you know projected order or finish. This is who would be favored uh, against who on a neutral field. All right, so we're going to start 25 to 21. I'm going to ask uh, Xavier to nitpick you. That that that's that's how we're going to do this. This is going to be fun. So at 25, we've got Auburn. Then once again, this is team strength rankings, right? So 25 is Auburn. 24 is Virginia Tech. Right, 20... sorry, to, sorry to interrupt. Okay. Do we want to? Maybe we talk about. Um, you want to reverse uh, it? We'll just do the. All right, these are teams I'm interested to see. Just just say you know these these didn't make it. These were kind of okay. Okay, kind of right. start okay. there and then hit to twenty-five. So here are the teams that didn't make it: uh, Georgia, Alabama. I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> uh, West Virginia, Kansas State, uh, Wisconsin, Florida, Iowa, SMU, Kentucky, Memphis, Miami, NC State, North Carolina, Texas Tech, UCLA, Utah, and Colorado. So we'll start there. Xavier, any? Uh, Anything that you see here on the other candidates that didn't make it uh, that you're like, how can this team not be inside the top 25? Um, no, I think so far so good. Um, interesting that Utah's not in there, bringing back Cam Rising. Um, I believe Brent Keithy is back as well. Yep. You know Kyle Whittingham's going to have that team ready to go. And on top of that, and maybe more importantly, um, look at their schedule. Who are they actually going to be playing this year? Um, what, what you know, when we talk about difficulty and strength of schedule, they've got to have one of the easier ones in college football to a degree. To a degree, um, I think they're probably one of the better teams in their conference. So I don't see why they would not be a team that that cracks the top twenty-five. Um, if for any reason they. I don't know if Cam Rising can break Bo Nix's record of most games played in college football, but he's got to be close. Hmm. Uh, so great points. Utah is definitely um, in the mix, I think. They uh, are are hit a little harder than you might expect for guys entering the NFL draft early so far. Um, they're losing Siani Vaki, Devon Vele, Jonah Ellis, Cole Bishop, um, you know, two starters on, on offense, two on defense. Uh, well, Vaki, I guess, is, is actually three starters on defense, and then he plays a little bit of offense as well. Uh, they're losing um, uh, at least uh, two other starters on defense. Um, and I, I don't know. They're, they're, they lost to Quinn and Jackson at running back um to the transfer portal so there's there's one you know even though they are going to get those guys back cam rising and, and brent keithy um their overall talent profile is is uh you know 35 40 ish something right there they're, they're 33 33rd right now um i expect it'll it'll stay kind of in that that ballpark uh but what you you bring up a great point and it's something that actually doesn't go into these rankings it's something that that i do want to spend a little more time talking about in the future but um those schedules i i did not factor that in at all um but perhaps utah is a team that that we will be talking about when it comes to like regular season one total and things like that where their power ranking 
and their you know projected uh, win total or, or uh, final record um, might not exactly line up. They just might have the type of schedule that makes them a you know conference championship type team, even if they are outside of our top twenty-five power rankings. All right, so let's go twenty-five to twenty-one here. We'll go in groups of five. Auburn at 25, Vatek at 24, Oklahoma State at 23, UCF at 22, Tennessee at 21. Let's hear it, Xavier. Give me some objections. Give me some anger. Give me something. Come on. Did you not think that Auburn being at 24 or 25 was not going to get lambasted by me? Figured. I figured that was the one. Yeah, a six and six roster that lost to New Mexico State somehow finds it. Yeah, you know, somehow (laughs) finds its way into the top twenty-five. Right now, is their start? Who's their starting quarterback next year? And if it's anybody that was there this year, they're already taking a step back in my book. You know how I feel about both guys, uh, or who what I felt about both guys this year. Um, Virginia Tech, I felt like came on strong, so I can't let I can't kill that one too much. Um, so I'm not mad. I'm really honestly not mad at the rest of the list here. I, I think that UCF should be pretty solid. I think Oklahoma State, I believe Ollie Gordon is coming back. So I don't have any issues. Just about uh, everybody. I mean, yeah, Oklahoma State's going to be. issues with them being there. I think they're going to be extremely competitive. Um, Tennessee is going to be leaning on a freshman quarterback in, prob- in, a, in, in the toughest, maybe the second toughest conference in football next year. But Tennessee's schedule as a whole isn't difficult you really look at they, they kind of lucked out with the pod system um they, they didn't get texas they get oklahoma next year instead um obviously they get bama and georgia but you look at the rest of that schedule going the next year it's it's fairly it's fairly good for a young qb to come into start with chattanooga nc state and bank of america stadium kent state are his first three games um and then arkansas florida and oklahoma are you know the, the other three games to start the year off so I'm not. I'm not necessarily too upset with with Tennessee being there. I feel like Nico is going to have time to kind of get his footing under him. Uh, so I'm not really mad at the rest of them. All right, let's go. Uh, go ahead, Nick. Well, so so my thought process here, and and quite honestly, Oklahoma State might not make our top 25, uh, <laughs> but they are going to be like top 15 in the like ESPN. Oh, for sure. 24 seven sports, all that. Stuff. I mean, they might they might be a trendy top 10 type pick, and they could get there. You know, I mean, the, the Big 12, as you've alluded to a few times already, is, is wide open um, and they are going to be bringing back a ton. And and honestly, could say the same for Virginia Tech, where, you know, they're they're probably going to be in this range in the you know media uh, too early top 25s, because it is it is a bit of a jump to get them from, you know, 40 or so where they are in our current power rankings into the top 25. But they are going to be. Uh, very, very high in returning production, just in in raw numbers, not taking into account uh, transfers. They are they are going to be among the the national leaders. It, it seems like um, we're still very early into our returning production work, so I don't have a whole lot uh, of of you know concrete numbers to to draw on yet. But I have a feeling, uh, based on all the announcements we've heard of of who's coming back, uh, Virginia Tech's going to be they're going to get a little bit of a bump. So um, they grew it out pretty well. Auburn, 
they're currently 31st in our power ranking. So it, it's not uh, like they're going to have to to climb much higher. Um, and I have done their early returning production numbers and, and uh, they're going to bring back about, uh, you know, 64% right now. Um, this doesn't take into account any incoming transfers. And I have a, a feeling that, um, you know, they're going to they're going to add some and Caden Salter might be in the mix. Um, I'm also developing a little bit of a theory. It's more of a CFF theory. But um, if you go through and, and look at the top performing quarterbacks statistically um, this year, a lot of them are second year transfers. And so even though Peyton Thorne doesn't excite very many people, um, even though you know, perhaps Caden Salter shouldn't, <laughs> um, even though, you know, Caden uh, Salter might come in and, and beat him out. But even if he doesn't, um, based on this theory, that's part of the reason I'm kind of optimistic about Peyton Thorne and, and Auburn. I'm kind of optimistic about Graham Mertz and Florida, quite honestly, which I know two of the, you know, least exciting quarterbacks uh, there are. But um Anyway, yeah, I, I I think that there's the potential there for a year two bump at the at the quarterback position based on sort of the track record. Maybe it was a one year fluke. I haven't looked too deep into it, but uh, second year starters in general, I think, are, are something to keep an eye on. And so that's that's part of it for Auburn. All right, let's go twenty to sixteen here. Twenty is Oklahoma, nineteen Florida State, eighteen Louisville, seventeen Kansas, and sixteen Texas A and M. So. I just find it interesting that Kansas is starting ahead of Florida State and Oklahoma. I love it. Uh, Xavier, your your thoughts on this grouping? Yeah, I love actually Kansas being that high. You know, I'm a big fan of Kansas as far as becoming one of those top teams in the Big 12 going into next year now that they won't have, you know, the, the Texas of the world, the Oklahomas of the world to contend with. I feel like obviously that was maybe their biggest, you know, their biggest hurdle over the last couple of years. And, on top of that, Kansas State possibly losing Will Howard, I think, will be huge for them as well. Um, but when I look at Louisville, how? <laughs> Louisville. How do we get here? Because I'm looking at a team that last year got the rub of the green in a conference that all but fell apart all year long, right? Clemson started off extremely slow. Duke's quarterback situation couldn't be fixed because of how injured Riley Leonard was. Um, you know, Miami fell apart after blowing that game to Georgia Tech. Everybody fell off of a clip. Uh, North Carolina with the possibly the, the second best quarterback in the draft couldn't get their footing. And Louisville just, you know, kind of benefited from it. Now we're talking about a full off season for most of these teams. I expect the majority of them to they can't get much worse than what they played like last year, uh, maybe outside of North Carolina. Um, but then you look at, you know, what Louisville's losing and, you know, Jamari Thrash, you know, obviously opted out for, opted for the NFL. Um, Jack Plummer, which may be a benefit, decided to graduate, or not decide to graduate, but did graduate. Um, so now their quarterback situation is like Harrison Bailey, who, you know, Tennessee fans will, will rave about hearing that one. But yeah, I just, I, I, how, how do we get here? <laughs> so to answer that question, um, Louisville currently uh, 10 and four ACC runner up. Uh, they are 15th in our power rankings, top 20 in roster strength. 
And if you look at the losses, yeah, you're right. Jack Plummer's is gone. So quarterback turnover, a little bit of a concern. They have brought in Tyler Shuck out of the transfer portal. Now, he is one of those guys who's been injured a lot, has been a little bit disappointing uh, at times as well. So throw him into the mix of the quarterback position. But he's going to uh, – he's actually ratings-wise right there on par with – uh, Jack Plummer. So the way we calculate things, whether or not, you know, sh- should Tyler Shuck be considered somebody who gets a bump down, you know, maybe, maybe we'll look at that, but as, as it stands right now, they are not taking a step back, at least ratings wise at the quarterback position. They've also added a lot of other guys in the transfer portal. And this year, you know, the, the team that they built that won 10 games, that's currently top 15 in our power rankings, built on a lot of transfers that's that's tricky you know it it worked out this year might not work out next year but um they have you know in addition to shuck uh they added don cheney at running back they're in the mix apparently i think for penny boone um jacory brooks has already signed there three of the top uh tight ends in the transfer portal have committed to louisville which you know can can only play so many at one time but they've added three offensive linemen uh guys from yale northern illinois and texas tech um they have added uh, a couple of defensive linemen uh, including uh, one of the best uh named but also really really solid player out of harvard thor griffith if you're gonna hear about him i'm sure uh he was a, a freaks list guy from bruce feldman this year um and then they've got uh, currently, according to our records, four uh, commitments from uh, defensive backs. So, you know, there there are some spots where they're going to be uh, they're they're going to have to figure out the running back position. They're going to have to find uh, a few more weapons at, at receiver. But they did a really good job of doing that this year. Um, and you know, offensive line, yes, a uh, couple of spots on defense. Although the defense, um, I think right now is probably going to end up looking okay. Okay, uh, but yeah, I mean Louisville. Uh, there's there's a chance that we end up looking real silly because you know when you when you kind of go from big transfer class to big transfer class, um, it, sometimes there's the potential it could could blow up in your face. But I, I think as far as the way the numbers are going to shake out, um, that's that's sort of where it's looking. Is is even though they're losing guys, they already have replacements for a lot of them. And I anticipate they're probably uh, not anywhere near done bringing guys in. All right, let's move up five more schools here. And we're going to go 15 is USC, 14 is Arizona, 13 is Penn State, 12 is LSU, and 11 is Missouri. So we're, we're getting into it. It's hard to pick through some of the this next group here. Uh, is there anyone that is the odd man out? And why is it Arizona? Well, I don't think two things, two things. One, I can't believe I didn't take at least 30 minutes to talk about Texas A&M not being anywhere near the top 16. I can't believe I looked over (laughs) that. I was so appalled by Louisville at 18 that I couldn't (laughs) couldn't have them also doing A&M in the same segment. Uh, But as far as this next crop, I don't think it's Arizona that should be the person that is, you know, the conversation is. LSU, once again, are we are we leaning on the likes of Garrett Nussmeyer? Because if we are, I would like to refer you to why he has not been the starting quarterback for the last two seasons. 
Um, you threw for 400 yards the other day. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, yeah. But, oh, we're gonna, so we're going to do the Joe Milton thing where he has a great bowl game and everybody. Hey, like, well, oh, you know. So it's um, fair point. We're talking about one of the worst defenses maybe I've watched in the SEC in years. Um, you know, play that mm-hmm. that level of a schedule. Um, you talk about hired their coordinator today. Yeah, hired the entire defensive <laughs> staff. Uh, mm-hmm. from, where I, from where I was told, offensive defensive line coach and DB room has all been gutted. Yep. Um, and rightfully so uh, after that year. But I mean, I mean that's not necessarily a a move in the right direction depending on who you bring in. But this is a team that sees USC to start the year, plays UCLA as well, gets Ole Miss, Bama, and Oklahoma. I got five losses on this schedule, and not necessarily from those four from those teams I just named. But I feel like four to five losses is more than a reasonable statement for this team, especially if Garrett Nussmeyer doesn't get isn't isn't great next year. Uh, you know, I feel like they are very they are still wholly contingent on an offense being the key to that team going into next season. Um, and, and I'm just I, I can't lean on a team that offensively has to put up 35 plus to win every night. Um, and I mean, you know, I think the only, even now USC, I'm not too much of a fan of, depending on what their their defensive situation is. Bro, you're in the Big Ten now. You got to play defense like that. You, you're not going to win 10 games being the best offensive team in the, in your conference anymore. That just does. That's not, not going to work. Um, and so that's where, for me, I'm I'm looking at both LSU and USC as two teams that right now too offensive heavy for me in two in conferences that are too balanced for for me to have them that high. Yeah, right. and good points. Uh, we've we've done this for for a few years, and and there definitely have been cases. Uh, used to be Oklahoma, now it's it's USC and and LSU's getting into the, that mix as well, where. Uh, the offensive numbers look great, and the talent numbers look great. That that's a big piece of it. Even though LSU is, you know, has performed so poorly defensively this year, they still have top twenty-five talent in terms of roster strength. It's actually top ten, uh, top five if you if you just look at raw two four seven rate. So the the talent is on the field, at least the way that that we and others calculate it. They have not come close to realizing that potential. You could say the same with slightly different numbers for USC. Uh, Maybe both teams making a change at at defensive coordinator. We have seen one-year turnarounds. Um, UCLA, great uh, example for this year. Hired the right guy, turned that unit around in one year. He's now at USC. We'll see what what the deal is at, at LSU. I think there's a, a you know, realistic possibility that those teams take a, a significant step forward um, and are, are both capable of, of bringing in a lot more talent. So uh, questions at quarterback. Yeah, Nussmeyer, I understand, not fully um, established, not 100% sure what USC is going to do. I mean, Miller Moss had a great uh, bowl game like Nussmeyer, but is that going to be um, are you going to be able to, to translate that into success in the SEC and the Big Ten, as you mentioned? Um, that's a that's a question. You know, we'll we'll find out. But the way the talent numbers stack up, uh, not just on offense but on defense as well, if we see a little bit of a step in the right direction as far as coaching and, and team performance goes, then I I think both of those teams are are going to be in the mix as as uh, you know top fifteen, top ten caliber teams will they finish their tough schedules um you know all that yeah maybe not but but uh they'll they'll start pretty high i'm, I'm almost certain 
All right, let's go to the top 10 here. At 10, we have Clemson. Nine is Washington. Eight yeah. is Notre Dame. Seven is Ohio State. And six is Ole Miss. Our, maybe the order might be jumbled in your head or something, but I, I think this is close as close to right. Maybe Washington's a little too low, but they are going to lose Penix, and that is a big blow. So, Nick, or Xavier, I'm sorry. Uh, this group of uh, five teams here. We're doing this with Clemson again. We're doing it again, <laughs> guys. This is not a team that's been in the in the national championship conversation for going on two okay, years. Okay, but who goes ahead of them? Who's below them that jumps them? Missouri, easy off the rip. Um, I I expect Penn State to be better than them next year. Yeah, two teams that both of them have way better foundations. Like Missouri loses very little talent and has and just dog walk Ohio State in the fourth quarter. Uh, <laughs> like I can't. Like we, I, I get it. I understand that their talent base is still so high that we we have to respect it to an extent. But man, could you imagine another nine and three season for Clemson? Because I can. Like <laughs> their, their, their issues haven't been fixed, in my opinion. I mean, I don't know if anybody had a chance to watch the bowl game. Um, against Kentucky, of all people, but it wasn't a barnstormer. It, you know, it, it didn't light it up. You know, all that, all that much for almost every, all, all the way up until the fourth quarter, where all of a sudden the fireworks came. But that team still has not figured out an offensive identity. Uh, the defense is holding on for dear life every single game, and you can tell in the way that they're playing, even in the way that they're reacting. You know, every time that they give up, the, kind of the extra play, a missed sack or a bad penalty, they they feel like they've lost a the game. Uh, to an extent, like it's all a bunch of George Pickens. It's just not a it's just not a conducive environment for offense at the moment. So unless they, they fixing some things, can't can't <laughs> have them that high for me right now. Um, I feel like everybody else, especially I feel like Ole Miss may be a little high. Um, but with the recruiting class that they're bringing in, on top of the transfers that they're bringing in, especially now being linked with Evan Stewart as well. This is a team that could be ridiculous next year just based purely off of that talent, even though I still don't like Jackson Darrell that much. Um, and then, you know, Ohio State, I feel like it's fine there. I feel like Ohio State is a team that needs to figure out its quarterback situation. Hopefully for them, Will Howard does transfer into Ohio State because he'd be the best quarterback. He'd be one of the he'd be one of the better options that they could have gotten from the transfer portal. And if you really look at it, if they don't get Will Howard, they're probably going to be starting a true freshman in Aaron Nolan. Um you know, Devin Brown did not shine for for lack of a better term um, in that in that game. And, you know, I think at this juncture, it's either start a true freshman or, or, or hope that they could pick up air. Uh, they could pick up Will Howard. Another name that they maybe need to look out, look at who hasn't really gotten much buzz from some of the big, big teams is maybe you decide to go get Jaden Delora and you say, hey, buddy. We need you to be. We need you to. We, you can be a high-end bridge quarterback until we we're, we're ready for the freshman, or you come in and we, you show the the explosiveness, you show the elusiveness that you've shown at Arizona at this level, and we hit on a very underrated transfer who I think because of the timing of his decision to hop into the transfer portal has left him to have so few teams to go to. But this is a team that Ohio State. Miami should all be clamoring for at this point because he's by far and away outside of Will Howard, the best quarterback left in the portal. What do you think if, and I haven't, this is pure, just me throwing mm -hmm. us out there. Uh, what do you think if Jaden Delore ended up at USC? I do anything for you. Because of the way that their freshmen played 
during the bowl game. I think oh, he's not even a freshman. He's going to be a senior next. Oh, that's right. I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't know why. It just hasn't been hasn't played. Right. I love Delora at USU. Another one. I love him really at any big school that can also that that can protect him to an extent, right? And and gives him outside talent. Um, especially with the fact that at Arizona, you probably think his best talent on display was probably Jacob Cowan. Outside of that, you know, you think about him going to a USC team who's going to bring in high top receivers. We know this. They always do, either through recruiting or through the transfer portal or just because it's Lincoln Riley's offense, they get the ball to their receivers. And I can only imagine him going to Ohio State with Emeka Ibuka slated to go back, Carnell Tate there already, Jeremiah Smith, who has been compared to Marvin Harrison Jr., um, all already just from the size and the physical profile, man, he would have a absolute time of his life out there. <laughs> I mean, come on. Like, he would go to throwing to one draft eligible guy and Jacob Cowan to throw in the three, maybe four at Ohio State. So, yeah. I, I, Ted I, I McMillan, would, too. Uh, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So I, I would love to see him go to one of these top schools because I think personally he has the ability to do stuff um, and to play at that level. So on on the I I I wasn't 100 percent sure what to do with Clemson. Uh, we of course were too high on them this year, um, and there are some questions. Uh, there, you know, they they had such a deep, talented uh, group of defensive linemen for for so long. They are going to be hit hard there. They do bring back. T.J. Parker and Peter Woods, who are two of the best defensive, you know, freshman defensive linemen in the country this year. Um, but the the depth, particularly at, at that group, and then also in the secondary, um, is going to be a, a, an issue. I mean, they're losing five of their top, you know, six, seven uh, defensive backs, uh, either through NFL draft or, or uh, transfer portal. So um, we just right literally as we were started to record uh will shipley declared for the nfl draft so you know that throws things into the uh, mix a little bit that was i think expected um but you know this is a, a team that's played top 10 defense more often than not um really every year in our history they've been a top 10 defense uh and then prior to that going back and, and looking at team performance numbers but yeah, they they to my you know my memory, I don't remember them having to replace this many major uh, impact players in the front four and in the the secondary. Uh, so right now their defensive returning production number is is uh, fifty three and fifty three point four percent, which would be on the low end. Um, so we'll we'll have to see how it all shakes out. But uh, I know he's not you know, played particularly well most of the year. I know the offense hasn't looked great, um, but Cade Klubnick coming back as a second-year starter, second-year offensive coordinator, you know, maybe things just took a little while and, and they will click. Perhaps banking on that is is uh, a fool's errand, but, you know, it, it uh, has happened before. Guys do get better. Things do eventually um, fall into place for, for some teams. We've seen Clemson win uh, – at a, at a high level in the past. So it, it would not shock me, but I could see them, um, especially if, if those losses, uh, if I didn't take into account the, the losses on defense trouble me a little bit more than, than anything else. Um, they could be a little bit closer to 15 than they are 10. I'm a little worried that Washington 
might be a little too high. I know Will Rogers and we mentioned Jeremiah Hunter. Uh, they're going to have to replace a lot. And, you know, the depth, uh, just looking looking at our numbers might not be there for Washington. They might be uh, – I don't know that we're going to see a drop-off like we saw with TCU last year um, from national championship game to, you know, they were outside of our top 25. Uh, but it, it's possible I have Washington a little bit too high. I think I'm probably, especially because the quarterback situation is is likely to figure itself out, uh, probably too low on Ohio State. If they get Will Howard, they'll they'll be top five, I'm sure. Um, and then I think you know, I'm I'm optimistic about Devin Brown. I thought it was a real bummer that we didn't get to see him play a full game, didn't get to see him in the spring, didn't get to see him in the bowl game, hardly got to see him this season. He's just been hurt so much. Um, but Ohio State's probably going to be just fine, and, and I have to think that that quarterback position is going to work itself out. I mean, you, you were listing off the, the weapons that, that whoever it is will have to work with. Um, they're, they're probably going to be fine, and, and I would expect that I probably slotted them in here too low. They're, they're probably closer to three or four than they were seven. All right, let's go to the top five. Number five, playing from the natty, Michigan. Number four, Oregon. Number three, Texas. Number two, Georgia. And number one, again, Alabama. I don't think there are any surprises here. I think this is just a level of who is being replaced. Seems like Xavier has a little frustration here. Uh, <laughs> what's wrong with the top five, Xavier? I don't like Michigan at five. I'll be honest. I feel like they're replacing too much on offense. Uh, you could very well be replacing... And I'm going to, well, returning production, they could re- be replacing like 85% of that this offseason. Really, realistically, JJ could go. So I, I am, I will yeah. say, I and to interrupt this time, sorry. Oh, for sure. uh, I did assume McCarthy would be back. Oh, so no. That might be not. wrong. <laughs> that might be wrong. Um, but that's that's sort of where my, my that's fair. head is at here. Uh but yeah, yeah, sorry, go ahead. No, no, Scott, let me ask you since since do you feel the same way? Do you think McCarthy is back? Um I, I think it's, <laughs> I think it's real tough to know right now. I right now I would say if they win, it's 50-50. If they lose, he's definitely coming back. I, I would say if they lo- if they lose, he's definitely coming back because Harbaugh missed so much time this year. And they, they've kind of built this team he, around that continuity and all that stuff. So he's gonna miss even more time when he's in the NFL next year. <laughs> he might. So so okay, this is why I think Michigan's too high. I think everybody, I think their core is gone. I think McCarthy leaves. I think Corman Edwards are mm-hmm. out. I think Roman Wilson might decide to leave as well. Um, Colson Loveland's the only person who can't leave, I think, at this juncture because he doesn't have draft eligibility yet. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they all leave because Harbaugh's out. I mean, I don't know. You know, obviously, I know Nick doesn't doesn't follow the NFL all too closely, but he's hired arguably the best agent in the NFL as far as coaches is concerned. This is not going to be a guy who who this is not going to be a guy who wards away the NFL as far as you know. He's definitely sick of dealing with uh, the NCAA, yes. and yeah. I think I think you look at the way he could leave this off this year. He, if he wins a national title, there's no question. But even if he doesn't, and he leaves this team with you know, three straight playoff berths, one national championship appearance, he's gone. He's done enough in his estimation, I believe, 
to, to, to warrant him leaving. And there's too many good options in the NFL for him not to leave at this juncture. Um, you know, so I think, I think, I think hardball is gone. I think all of that being there, I think you really look at a team that's going to be in a little disarray on top of that. Their conference is getting immensely better with the additions of Washington, um, USC and, and UCLA um, and Oregon. So I, I think realistically, yeah, Michigan at five with for right now is cool until we see what happens post national championship, because if everybody and their mom starts to get up out of there, they're going to have to get dropped. You're going to have to, because at that point you're losing way too much talent um, to, to suggest that they could replicate what they were able to replicate this season. That's it. Yeah. That's, everybody that's else feels, yeah. Everybody else feels fine. I feel like Bama at one is, is, is slightly, is slightly disheartening, but hilarious all the same. <laughs> because, you know, Why hilarious? because their talent profile is amazing, except for at the most important position in football. Um, and I'm already getting Jalen Milroy as a Heisman front runner for next year. And I'm like, the kid, he can't. is, but why wouldn't he be? <laughs> he will be, yeah, huge numbers. What are you talking about? <laughs> you watch him after the USF game, he was amazing. Come on, he played poorly the other night. It did not. It's not just. It it's not. That wasn't all on him. True. No, 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 no. It, it's not just it, <laughs> people who have watched Jalen Milrow play all year. The, the 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 I told you so crowd was with me in the fact that it wasn't just last night. This has been him for all but three games this year. Xavier's uh, Xavier's favorite hashtag hashtag Bill O'Brien was right. I, I'm not going that far. Right? <laughs> but let the NFL guys decide whether or not he's an NFL quarterback. But all I'm going to say is it's real I funny. When I ask the Milrose best games, they go Kentucky, Georgia. That's it. I'm sorry. Just, <laughs> I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that he had a great year, but he was pretty good after that. It, it gets there, was, there was a while there where he, he was, got benched. Yeah, he was in the Heisman. Yeah, he got, he got benched in September. He, he was, was uh, in the Heisman yeah. conversation in November. Yeah, like. but, but, but let's be honest. That's because people couldn't figure out who the Heisman was for long enough. Because nobody yeah, and Jalen Milrow. Hey, why not Jalen Milrow? Nobody, nobody next, year, next year's, next year's, like way better all across the board. Um, as far yeah, they as had Greg McElroy in the Heisman predictions before, <laughs> you know, Alabama had played a game that year. Alabama oh. quarterback is going to be in Heisman discussions no matter what. No matter how said, bad that's, they are. that's why I said it's an unfortunate reality that we live in, but it's also partially hilarious because at the end of the day, I understand that Bama's always going to be up there. But when you go through the nuts and bolts of this team going into next season, I could also see them. And with on, on and with arguably one of the hardest, if not the hardest, schedule in college football next year, I could see this team with two losses by the end of next season, and I wouldn't bat an eyelash if they did because they have to go, they have to play Georgia next year, they have to play Texas next year. They always and I, and, and I will stamp my flag on this for the third. They don't year play Texas. Did they? Did they not? Mm-mm. I thought Tech. Oh, Georgia has both. Ah. Georgia has Texas. Yes. Yeah. And yeah we, we, Nick and I were talking about that before, so I was like, yeah, great. Uh, now we go to the SEC. <laughs> yes, there you um, go. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, yeah. Uh, they, uh, yeah, Texas has Bama. Oklahoma, then Georgia. So yes, so they get so they Bama. Get... That's a playoff team. It is. <laughs> that, look, we have to wrap our heads around that. Well, maybe, maybe. probably <laughs> well, yes. no. Two loss Bama. Two two team. losses. You're in. Let's, let's see. Let's see how the rest of college football votes. 
Right. We can right. have we we can, we can have Heisman free... Trophy winner Jalen Milrow. Oh, and, uh... <laughs> I a ticket. Yeah, yeah, it's gonna be, be my guy. favorite ticket to buy now, so I can taunt Xavier look, with it. Look, I, look, I hope, I hope I, I, this is a long shot. I don't think go to Camp Randall and get smacked around like ragdolls. Um, <laughs> but but look, you know, look, next 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 year, like I said, I just when I look at Alabama, like I said, I understand why Alabama's won. I always understand why Alabama's won in the preseason. They do it because of the lineage, the recruiting, the talent on display, and the national titles. I think, uh, you know, whatever they count some. <laughs> they, they count some that even that in years where they went nine and three, but it's whatever. Um, but at the end of the day, when I look around their schedule next year, it's the fact that I do genuinely believe that they could very well lose multiple games next year. Not, not, not only you could. <laughs> Hold on. Not only to Georgia, but I mean they have to play Missouri next year. Which is going to be no easy feat either. Um, obviously, LSU has been a bugaboo for them in previous years, and I'm going to continue to say it. But there's Juju when they play Auburn. I don't care when they play Auburn. Yeah. Ah, goodness. Good top five Auburn. Disgusting. <laughs> oh, goodness. They would they wouldn't make my top 35. But <laughs> uh, but yeah, I just I I understand it. But until Jalen Milrow can can read a defense, I think the blueprint is out on how to beat that kid. Well, so to to answer your your concerns, and then I do want us to, I, I do want you guys to help me reorder this because I, I am willing to consider Michigan. I think that you uh, you're absolutely right about what the the uh, the level of loss that they are likely to, uh, even if McCarthy comes back, even if Harbaugh comes back, which I assumed in making this ranking, uh, which of course, as you said, and I totally agree, not. Uh, a foregone conclusion, maybe 50-50 at best um, for for either of those. Uh, but the level of loss that they're likely to, to sustain on the offensive line and things like that, I, I probably glossed over a little too quickly. So I'm willing to move them down. We'll move some others down uh, and, and around perhaps as well. Uh, but Alabama, that's uh, that one's been one I've thought about. Uh, a lot. And, and is it going to be Alabama? Is it going to be Georgia? I think it's pretty clear those are the top two. Um, and things can change. I mean, this is a very fluid time. Um, uh, the, the, the numbers as far as returning production goes, and these will go down because there are some guys um, that I don't currently have, uh, you know, a- as leaving that probably are both running backs have eligibility, both, both senior running backs, uh, Jace McClellan and Rodell uh, Williams. However, you know, Justice Haynes, probably going to be good. I mean, he, he was the second guy in uh, the last few games. It, it's sort of shaping up a little bit. Um, like, was it was it the Derrick Henry uh, year, his freshman year, where, where he's sort of in the playoff uh, got, you know, starter type uh, reps? Um, I think Justice Haynes is, is kind of moving in that direction. Jan mm-hmm. Miller looked good. And, uh, you know, so I don't think regardless of if McClellan and Williams both move on, um, I think they're going to be just fine in running back and running back only counts 6% in the offensive returning production stuff anyway. So um, I also didn't uh, take into account Jermaine Burton, uh, leading receiver. You know, I think I think that, yeah, he he had some moments this year where, where he looked quite good. Um, but you know, Bama, Bama can do better. And and I think that they probably will address wide receiver at, uh, you know, in the transfer portal. Um, they haven't hit on one yet. They've had a sort of little bit of a, a trouble uh, trending in the wrong direction at, at receiver. But I think, 
you know, talent wise, they've still recruited well. They grade out well at that position, um, and they're they're going to add, I think, some some production uh, there as well. The offensive line's an issue. Um, we've already seen one transfer, Seth McLaughlin, the guy who had the yips basically uh, snapping to, to Jalen Noro the other night, um, is in the transfer portal. So that's one full-time starter who is gone. But as of right now, he's the only full-time starter that's gone. Uh, Bama had nine guys enter the transfer portal today. None of them other than him were major impact players. Jaden, uh, or excuse me, um, uh, Antonio – no, excuse me, uh, uh, Christian Story. Christian Story, uh, defensive back, was sort of the, the guy who got the most playing time on defense. And then Malik Benson, who was a, a little bit of a disappointment this year, was one of the higher-rated uh, junior college receivers in, in some time coming in last year just never really emerged. But Bama, when I, when I look at the early returning production numbers, and these will go down, but they are right now at 80% overall. 85% on offense, 75% on defense. So even if they get hit with a few, you know, NFL draft declarations on both sides of the ball, I still think we're going to see higher returning production numbers for Alabama than we've seen in a while. Um, and then the the raw talent numbers, I mean, they are they are number one or number two at every position but quarterback, where they're number three, and tight end where they're number 39, which doesn't you know, is a, a huge uh, recruiting rating talent factor position. I mean, they're number one, literally every other position in average 247 rating, average uh, on three rating. So that's likely to continue to stay the same. And, and I, you know, maybe they get decimated in the back seven in NFL draft. And, and then that's that's the chance, I think, that, that Georgia would uh, maybe sneak up behind them. But it also wouldn't surprise me if we get, you know, one or two surprises where guys who are, you know, draftable uh, players, uh, pretty high, you know, second round talent type guys say, yeah, let's go back and, and play a senior year and, and uh, try to, to make a you know run at a national championship. So uh, we'll see how it all shakes out. But but I think that um, as it stands right now, my best guess is that Alabama is, is going to be number one there just based on what currently we can expect to come back but also i think they're they're probably going to address some some spots here so i'm i'm open to moving michigan down where who should who should be that number five team should we flip michigan and ohio state or is michigan more closer to 10 mm. what do you think xavier how far down does michigan need to go here obviously still ahead of clemson oh for sure <laughs> um but with, every, with with everything that they could lose, I mean, you got to put them. I I would push them below everybody, including Washington. So I would push Ole Miss up, Ohio State up, Notre Dame up, Washington up. I just you agree with Ole Miss over Ohio State? Oh, for sure. Like we, I said, we think the quarterback I, I, position is probably going to work itself out, right? Yeah, we 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 expect it to. I just I'm, I don't want to get too far ahead of myself when I. Okay, if they have Will Howard, put Will put put Ohio State above Ole Miss. Do we agree uh, that Oregon is four? Yeah, Dylan Gabriel. The okay, drop off so not going to be tremendous. Troy Franklin's leaving, but I think they they will have enough offensive firepower on top of that. Dan Lanning's got that defense playing at a level that I think is going to be able to compete at the Big Ten 
in the Big Ten, I think it'll be fine. Okay, so Alabama one, Georgia two, Texas three, mm-hmm. Oregon four. Yep. Ohio State five, Ole Miss five. Ohio State five. Ohio State five, Ole Miss six. Yeah, I, I, I feel like they'll get Will Howard. He, he doesn't have anybody of that level currently recruiting him, to my knowledge. I just feel like Ohio State – he visited Ohio State today. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I feel like they'll blow him away. I mean, who doesn't want to play in that environment with the weapons he'll have? It's his best chance to turn himself into a really high draft caliber kid to go to Ohio State. True. Um, Notre Miss, Dame seven, Washington eight. Yeah. Notre Dame brought in who out of the transfer portal? I can't remember. Riley Leonard. And yes. they, they, they're yeah. rebuilding that wide receiver group. Um, which they need to. defense is going to be pretty good. Yeah. Which, 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 they, which they've, they've needed to, but that defense continues to be lights out. Realistically, if they had anything out of the quarterback room in the Ohio State, it, it, realistically, if that defense, excuse me, held its water, they beat Ohio State this year. Um, this team was a couple of weird losses away from being in the playoffs. So, yeah, I don't see why not. Honestly, I'm probably too low on Penn State. No, you're not. I no, think not. I am because they're eighth right now. They just got Fleming they're, too today. They got Fleming. You're not. You're not too they're low on Penn State. To, they're going to. Okay, well, hold on. So it's a little bit of a different question, though. Yeah, for sure. Um, so they're they're currently number eight in in my power rankings. They are bringing back their quarterback, who you know, not everybody's favorite, uh, Drew Alar, but upgraded at the wide receiver position. They are going to lose uh, one of the best offensive linemen in the country. Are going to have to kind of rebuild that that offensive line. Yep. Are suffering some losses on defense, uh, but yep. the, the quarterback piece is big. They do have some playmakers. I love the offensive coordinator hire that they made, and the, the talent numbers are good. Top fifteen right. basically across the board. Is Penn State? Should Penn State be uh, on a neutral field? Would Penn State be favored over Michigan, or would you still side with Michigan? I'd probably have Penn State with everything that Michigan's losing right now, even though they won't see Michigan next year. Okay, so then to me, that says Penn State is, for now, number nine. Or are you saying Missouri? Or sounds like not LSU. You think Missouri Missouri should go into nine? Missouri, yeah. They are really – they're not losing much. I know Ennis Rakestraw has declared – Another Carlos is is declared a couple of defensive linemen. Yeah, I know so they, Chandler. They got some work to do I know Chandler had to go um, as well. Uh, Shredder, excuse me, had to go as well. Um, they got the rub of the green next year with scheduling. My God, did they get the rub of, rub of the green next year? They don't see anybody but Bama next year. Like they get they get A and M, Auburn, Bama, South Carolina, Mississippi State, Arkansas, and Oklahoma. They got the rub of the green. They did that. That schedule is so. As far as what you can get in the SEC right now, that's that's as close to cupcakey for a top twelve team in the, in, the, in in our early you know in our too early top twenty five as you could possibly get. Um, All right, so. Michigan or Clemson at eleven. I don't like either. Um, <laughs> give me Clemson for give me Clemson for the continuity. Okay, I, mean, I, know, I know I know Shipley just left, but. They're bringing back Klubnik, who at some point has got to figure it out, right, guys? It can't always – they can't continue to go down this line of bad quarterback play. Whew, man, Michigan at 12. I don't I don't know. 
that seems that, that, that feels that feels really egregious until you realize mm -hmm. if they lose as much talent as we've talked about plus hardball they've lost so they're so late in the process right now that who do they go get like yeah, yeah. They, 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 they go I, get, I heard a lot of good things about alex orgy <laughs> I sure from, from Jim Harbaugh, right? <laughs> lo love the packages that they use them in, even though they weren't all that successful. But wouldn't be surprised if they hit the transfer portal. Maybe they are the, the Delora candidate. But to think that they're you know going to be trotting out Orgy in his first year is going to be tough to, to to wrap around my head as far as a team that you know this 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 year. The reason why we thought that they would be so good was because of the continuity that they were bringing back. Right. Um, on top of that, I think. You know, that offensive line is going to be a little bit worse. I think Zinter's off to the draft. Um, so there goes the head of that spear. And unlike what I was talking about with Missouri, they have one of the hardest schedules in the country next year. Um, they get Texas, USC, Washington, Oregon, and Ohio State. So, and all of those are at different parts of the year. They start off the year with Fresno State and Texas. USC and Washington are in the middle. Oregon and Ohio State are at the end. Whoop-de-doo. So I, I just... That for me feels very, very difficult for a team with that much transition going on. Okay, and you get one more move the rest of the way. We're we're locking in that top twelve. You get one more move, top twenty-five. So, so this is the where where how far does Michigan go down, or are we? Go no, Michigan's Michigan? locked in. They're locked they're, in. they're okay. not going. Yeah, any yeah, they're not going any farther than oh, that. Man. That feel so that already choose, feels wrong. So, so you, you have to can, choose. Whether you're moving Louisville out, right? You can right. You can slide Louisville out, move everybody up, or or Auburn has to go. No, off no, no, no. It's it's already decided. It's Auburn, Auburn, you're out. <laughs> Auburn, you're out. Utah, you're in. That is my yes. Auburn out. Utah in. Yeah. Mm. You know out. what? I I think I agree with that one. So yeah, I mean, you look at Auburn's schedule. Uh, sorry, Utah schedule next year. Ugh. Oof, that's that schedule next year could be they, they could very well go like 10 11 and 1 10 and 2 honestly uh i look around the rest of the big 12 next year baylor nah arizona state nah colorado nah yeah <laughs> yeah they could they could very well find themselves at 11 and 1 next year in the big 12 title game you know with a chance to win the big 12 in their first year uh so yeah yeah yeah, Utah. Utah's the best team. Utah, arguably, I think I don't think it's arguable. I think Utah is the best team in that conference now, out next to Oklahoma State. So, yeah. Okay. Last thing, the only Group of Five team we mentioned was Memphis. They're the they're the first pass. Yep. I don't know who else. So, some something to keep in mind for uh, the long months they, of, of the so G five powers away. Yeah. They, take, yeah. they just they just they just downright have taken so many G five powers out of the G five. And, and put them in the P5 conferences now. I mean, yeah, I don't see why. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that one. All right. Well, I'll see you. <laughs> I, will, I will tweet this one out. I don't – I honestly – I you, bred, you made great points about Michigan being too high at five. I now fully think they are too low at 12. But I was going to say, Nick, we'll see, what, we'll see what happens. Nick, if you don't want to get killed on Twitter, do not post this exact <laughs> Yeah. Put Michigan, Michigan, at, Michigan at like it. Put Michigan at like seven – and, and and take Missouri and put them at twelve. See, and it's not even getting way way way. I think just move everybody down getting crushed on seven or six, and you'll. It's not getting crushed on Twitter. I don't necessarily care about that. I, I'm not afraid to to for people to think I'm stupid, but 
that just feels wrong. That just feels like too big of a drop. I mean, they are right now. They're in the and they night. might lose a yeah. ton. They're the well, it's not night. even that. They're number one in roster strength. Like I'm, I'm, I am trying to lean on the the numbers just, here. It just depends, I mean, right? We don't know now, does, but they, they might lose the quarterback, the coaching staff, like oh, mm -hmm. so many things. Right. If they so, lose McCarthy, it's easy. I mean, right. it's just just knowing the way the numbers work because yeah. McCarthy's a 96 in individual player rating right now. Um, they would have to go to Orgy, who is talented as he is. You know, maybe he's just one of those guys that, for whatever reason, uh, the the recruiting ratings just didn't. Uh, like, get yeah, didn't didn't capture how talented he really is. He's right now a seventy-seven and a half. So starting next year, and we'll add a little bit of you know projected production. Um, he'll be low eighties, and so that's a that's a big drop off. It looks like they're going to have to replace four offensive linemen. They've already replaced you know they've already got some guys uh, coming in. One offensive lineman, um, one linebacker. I'm sure they're going to have a, a few more. Um, but man, that just feels like uh, that. That feels like a, a large drop. And they've got some guys. I mean, Jalen Harrell's out of eligibility. Michael Barrett, uh, Josh Wallace, and Mike Sanistrill. So you know, a starter at every level, both corners. Um, that's that's significant. And, and there could be more in there, uh, guys who leave early. But um, Man, that just that feels like too big of a drop to to realistically expect Michigan to drop that far because yeah for sure you know the, the team performance their number one in team performance that will carry over to next year um, if they lose Harbaugh they lose the top four head coach and, and head coaching rating you know that 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 could if they lose McCarthy and Harbaugh yes you know twelve is is not out of the realm of possibility but I think as of right now I I think. I'm gonna I'm gonna put Michigan. We'll kind of split the difference. I'm gonna put Michigan at nine. So they're still top ten. Yeah. Yeah. I was I was gonna add though that Scott brought up a very good point. If Harbaugh does go to the league, he's gonna pilfer that stat. He's going to run through oh, yeah, that I would, stat. I would expect and, it to be almost a total rebate unless they promote um who's the what's the coordinator's name? He just just uh, the guy who was the uh, interim head coach for a while. If they do that, yes, yes. Uh, you know, maybe it's a situation like when Nick Saban went to the NFL and nobody leaves. Um, yeah. it's, it's it's Sharon Moore. If he gets the head coaching job, mm, I don't know. They might be able to keep that staff mostly. But we don't know. Oh, gosh. <laughs> um, so anyway, all right. We, we, we've, we've done this long enough, but I, I think I feel good about Michigan at nine. I know that that uh, is conflicting with what we said on would you would you put Penn State or Michigan favored? You said Penn State. Um, at, at, you know, nine and eleven. That's a that's a coin toss. So um, I think it really could go either way. Uh, so all right, this 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 will be our way too early top twenty five. We'll, we'll go with this, and we'll you know there we'll will see be a number shake out of course. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, look, let's get into what we're here for. We're here to talk about the Natty, right? Oh, Washington versus Michigan. We have not. We have not talked about it yet. It's <laughs> kind of crazy. Uh, hour and a half into the show. But the official line <laughs> is Michigan by four and a half. The total is 55 and a half. Um, my personal just I'll, I'll get it out of the way pretty quick. 
I think Michigan's going to win, not because I hate Washington. I don't. They played a great game. They were unbeatable for Texas, right? Uh, Texas was not going to beat them in that game, as close as they made it. I just didn't see it happening at the end. Um, but the weakest group in that game lost the game. Texas had the weakest group in the secondary. I think the weakest group in this game is Washington's run defense. And I think Michigan's going to run the ball up and down the field. I think they're going to control the clock. It might put too much pressure on the offense to score. And I think that is how Michigan is going to win the game. Nick, how do you see it playing out? Something similar or completely different? How do you see Washington versus Michigan in the natty? Well, so uh, oddly enough, because we've we've done shows where I couldn't shut up about you know whatever bowl game for 15 minutes. I, I think that this preview is going to be relatively <laughs> quick because we've talked a lot about these teams, not just in this preview, but but in previous shows. Um, uh, we've got Michigan favored. It is by uh, pretty close to the the official line, which I pulled on uh, Tuesday evening. It was four and a half, as you said. Uh, we've got Michigan favored by 3.97. Um, that feels about right, about where I want to be. Yeah, Michigan, I understand why they are favored they are you know a little bit more talented team in roster strength they have been number one in team performance overall all season number one in defensive team performance they are number one in our fbs power rankings but by every major factor that i look at you know day day in and day out um michigan is right now the best team in the country they survived Alabama in a game that Alabama didn't play all that well, especially on offense. Big part of that was Michigan's pass rush, um, but also, you know, they were they were fortunate at times. They were able to overcome what could have been some some really horrible uh, mistakes on special teams. And, and you know, prior to that game, Michigan has been very very good in special teams. They're top twenty five in our uh, special teams performance ratings in the regular season, uh, I believe. Bill Connolly tweeted out during the game that they were top five in special teams, uh, SP plus. Um, so, you know, this, this is a team that has just been, <laughs> uh, really, really good. in, in a lot of different ways had sort of a bad game, or at least had some, some really, really, uh, you know, some moments where it, it could have turned sideways. Um, and they were able to overcome it, found a way to win. But Washington, as we've said, especially if Michael Penix plays like he did in uh, the, the Sugar Bowl, they're going to be a very, very tough team to beat. They're a team that has um, exceeded expectations pretty much all year. We were high on Washington uh, early in the, the season, um, and then very quickly – we turned to being kind of low on Washington. Like once, once everybody caught up, that was like, Oh yeah, this, this team is, you know, PAC 12 title contenders. They are a legitimate playoff contender. Um, you know, at, at that point, they actually didn't look quite as good in, in our numbers. We had them as like a top 10 team in the preseason. I'm pretty sure very close to it. Um, but they, they have yet to climb inside our top five in our overall power rankings. They're still number six. Um, they rank 18th in overall team performance. So, you know, there's been a lot of talk of, oh, they've won however many games by less than 10 points. Um, you know, and I've, I've referenced more often than not, uh, not just the, the 
final score. I've actually preferred the, you know, post-game win expectancy numbers and there were some real shaky moments some less than dominant performances against teams like Stanford and Utah and Oregon State um you know they they of course rose to the occasion beat Oregon twice uh a team that could have won the national championship might have been uh the second best team in in college football um they're currently number two in our power rankings but uh Washington beat them twice got the job done right uh beat Close games, uh, too, both times, right? Absolutely. Um, beat Texas, who, as we've talked about, is one of the top 10 uh, rosters in the country. Um, and certainly, you know, look at raw talent. Um, very, very good. And and one of the best play callers in college football, Steve Sarkeesian, had some shaky moments. We didn't really get into that too much. But, um, you know, Washington is – has good enough, I think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We can go back and nah, we're good. Uh, but, you know, this Washington team, yeah, they they haven't been as dominant, statistically speaking. Um, they have been an underdog, you know, several times, you know, odds makers and, and pollsters and and plenty of others. Our numbers have have doubted them at times, although we haven't quite gotten crushed on Washington. It seems like, you know, some folks uh I've, I've seen some some tweets and some shows and whatnot talking about them picking against washington we've washington's been good to us this year um so we are technically on them to cover uh, this and in, in team strength so i'll be i'll be happy if they end up winning outright because that means we'll get to put one more uh you know little check in the in the win column but um maybe this washington team you know team of destiny maybe you know maybe they just are, are that team that um just finds a way to win on the field kevin DeBoer or kaylin DeBoer, excuse me is is uh, uh one of the best in-game uh play callers out there schemes things up gets these guys ready to play and you know can they do it one more time against a michigan team that has looked vulnerable almost found a way to lose um you know, against a, an Alabama team that seemed like it was really one year away and uh, did not play a particularly good game, you know, still had a chance to win in, in overtime. So um, we'll see, you know, Washington has the best player uh, in, in Michael Penix, probably has the two best players uh, in, in Roma Dunze. Um, I'm not, I'm not sure what to think about Dylan Johnson and his injury. It sounds like, He's expected to play. Um, we'll see if he can, you know, gut it out. But will they need him? You know, you you want the threat of him. Um, but uh, you know, Michael Penix, you, you just tell me that that he's going to uh, throw nine out of ten times. You know, I think even if if Washington knows or if uh, Michigan knows it's coming. I, I still think that that Washington's going to make some plays here and there. So, um, will guys like you know Jalen Harrell, Mason Graham had a, a really impactful game against Alabama. Washington, you know, if they're not running the football very much, that might neutralize him just a little bit. Uh, but you know, the the pass rushers that they've got, guys like Josiah Stewart, um, you know, Chris Jenkins in the middle has been great. Cam Good had had his moments in the middle as well. Derek Moore, uh, Braden McGregor. Uh, you know, has, has had some moments. So I, I feel like, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's going to be, it's going to be a, a pretty even matchup. It's going to be um, a, a real strength of the Michigan defense, that, that number one defense 
against that Washington passing attack. You know, seeing that pass rush against against that Washington passing attack, uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. Is Michigan going to you know show us a little more in the run game? Uh, there's definitely an opportunity there. They've they've not been nearly as good as we expected running the football this year. Washington, that's a real weakness, the real weakness of that Washington defense. They're 99th in defensive team performance against the run uh, this year. So if, if you're looking for the, the biggest edge from a, you know, unit to unit uh, standpoint or, or, you know, play calling standpoint, um, if Michigan is, is truly able to run the football, Washington could be in trouble. Um, but Washington, I don't know. They found a way to get it done uh, so far. So it's, it's, uh, I, I, I feel good about our projection long-winded way thought i said i was going to be short i was not uh <laughs> long-winded way of of saying you know i understand why michigan's favored i don't hate that we're on washington to cover the four and a half it comes down of course to the last second field goal we're in a good spot um talent edge is even closer which is a little bit of a surprise it's it's 2.25 the prism model which we said uh, earlier has had its worst performance during bowl season but we can throw that out because these these teams, of course, we don't have to worry about transfers, opt-outs, things right. like that. That one's got Michigan as a double-digit favorite. So if you're looking just pure stats coming into this game, um, then that's that's a heavy uh, Michigan edge. Um, but Washington has performed much better than that type of projection this year. So uh, I think we're in a decent spot. You know, Michigan to win, Washington to cover. Um, if Washington finds a way to win, we'll we'll get the credit for that win uh, against the spread, and and we'll take it. Um, but I don't know; should be a great game. I'm really excited for it. Xavier, when you look at the the Natty, I know who you're rooting for. Your mom is a UW grad, so of course uh, you're pulling for the Huskies. Do you for think sure. they? Do you think they win this game? Because uh, I, the way that Texas ran against Washington, and the yeah. fact that you know what I was saying before the Texas secondary was the weakest unit on the field. I think the Washington Rundy is the weakest unit on the field yeah. in this game. For sure. I just, Hmm. I, I feel that Washington's game plan is going to be very similar to what it was against Texas. We're going to let you have all the yards you want on the ground. We're going to hold you though, under the explosives. We're going to make sure that whatever you have on the ground are five, six, seven yard chunks. And if we can get a negative play, now we're going to force your quarterback, who we don't believe in, to beat us, to try to beat us. This is a team that kind of did – I mean, they did the same thing to Bo Nix, uh, you know, in both Oregon matchups. If you really go back and look at it, they kind of said to Oregon, hey, you can have what you want on the ground to an extent, but when it's time for Bo Nix to make the throws that he has to make, can he do it? Um, and I think that that's kind of similarly to what they'll do against J.J. McCarthy, as they'll say to them – or, you know, uh, we don't believe that you can make the throws that you need to to beat us. And on our end, Washington, uh, sorry, Michael Penix is going to make all the throws to beat you guys. And that's kind of how they felt. That's kind of how they've operated all year. You know, you look at their games against Oregon, they gave up 204 rushing yards. They only ran for 99 in the win in October. Um, and in the win in the Pac-12 championship game, similar, you know, similar stat totals to an extent, right? Gave up 130 on the ground. Um, even though in that game they ran for 154 still. In those in those two ball games, they gave up almost you know an average of, of 140 on both ends. So I don't think Washington is going to try and stop Michigan's run game. I think they're going to say to themselves, "You're not patient enough 
to run the football consistently when our offense is putting up touchdowns in three minutes or less. And, and I think that that so far has been a formula for them that's worked in a lot of games. Um, and I also think they believe in their edge rushers. I think they believe in ZFT. I think they believe in Braylon Trice that when it's time to pass the football, they'll get home or they'll make enough noise in the back uh, in, in the pocket to force JJ McCarthy to make errant throws. And I don't see that as a remedy that what would um, that that won't work to an extent. I, I feel like that could work very well for this team. I'm also pretty assured that when I look at this roster um, or when I look at this team, that this is going to be a team that suggests on offense outside of Will Johnson from Michigan, they don't have the corners to guard these guys. They don't. You know, in back-to-back years, I think when they, when they watch on tape, they're going to see a team in Michigan that has to create a lot of pressure on the QB to save that back end uh, and to save that defense because they don't have the secondary outside of Will Johnson who might be the best corner in college football going into next year. Um, you know, to save that the rest of that secondary in matchups that aren't going to be all, all too favorable for them. Uh, you really look at what they what they have on the back end. Uh, it's just not even against Ohio State this year. Guys are open. Kyle McCord just couldn't give it to him, right? Either B, a he didn't have the talent to, or or b the offensive line wasn't holding up to a, uh, to a great enough extent for him to get the, get it, get it home. So, I think Washington's game plan is going to be very similar. Um, I think their game plan, and I think that's a that's a bonus for them that they won't have to really switch up their game plan in in what will be a week's time frame. Another thing that needs to change is we can't keep doing this. Like if we're going to have four weeks for the semifinal game and then a week for the national championship game, it just doesn't feel like that's correct. Like because the, the the 12 teams. Well, for sure. I just, you know, we, we if we're going to have a lot of times longer than a week for, for other aspects of the playoff, can we allow it to be for the national title game to an extent? Like guys, we, they, they need, this is the biggest game of their lives and you're giving them a week to prepare. Um, so I, I would like to see more time there. Um, but on the Michigan side, I think the game plan is completely different. Like you just got to, to an extent, play a team very similar to the way that, uh, Penn state plays, right. A team that was going to run the football, very power heavy offense, um, not too creative in the passing concepts, a team that wanted to keep it within the guards, keep it within the tackles and, and not do too much to, to ruffle, or, or to ruffle the feathers of their quarterback, right? Um, which is something that they've seen all year. What they haven't seen is Michael Penix. And that's going to be an adjustment for that defense. There's no way I do not believe that Michigan comes into this game and thinks that they can blitz the same way that they did against uh, against Alabama. There's no way. And if they do, I just feel like Penix is going to pick them apart. Now, I think you have to blitz, though, because uh, Texas couldn't get home. Yeah, and you didn't put any pressure on Penix, and you don't move him off the spot. So, yeah. but what I will I say, so so to to so to your what you're saying, he I, he has not been great against blitzing this year. Um, I think he's thrown 52 percent is his completion percentage against blitzing this season, um, <clears throat> or against pressure this season. So it's very well possible that Michigan's entire game plan will be about getting pressure on Penix and forcing him off of his spot. The problem I have is, I feel like Penix is. They're going to prepare for this. This is going to be the game where you see slip screen after bubble screen after RPO after, you know, just making sure that they're playing with the correct leverage. And for Washington, they've only given up 11 sacks this year. This is not an offensive line that has been blown up a lot this year, no matter what they've played. 
I just well, Penix, I mean, especially the other night was so right. good at, at yes. sidestepping pressure and, and all that. I was surprised at that number. I haven't, I haven't seen that number that, that you mentioned. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, the, as, as good as he was and as calm as he is, that doesn't get rattled. Um, I don't know. Michigan's past. He was just on another level. Different. I mean, yeah. You could see yeah. him do that against Oregon too. Yeah. You know? sure. and, that, sure. and that's the biggest thing with this team is when you look at, so the, so the, the games that he has poorly this year, are against blitz heavy has been against blitz heavy teams. Uh, Oregon State really rattled him. Um, also, it was raining, but it really rattled him. Uh, um, Washington State rattled him a bit in that matchup as well. Arizona State, obviously, the offense was almost completely disappeared in that matchup as a whole. Um, but when you really look at the, the bigger the bigger issue with with Washington right now, it's whether or not Dylan Johnson's healthy. And I don't think he's it's gonna like he's going to play. I don't, but how healthy? That's what they said yeah, but how much? How yeah, well, right. Like, how, like, like yeah. it's one thing to play; it's another thing for you to have zero explosion, for you not to be able to cut. And it's like, yeah, he's out there as a decoy. Shout out to Arthur Smith. Um, you know, I just don't think that you that you maybe see the best version of of Mich- uh, sorry of Washington's running attack. And if that's the case, then what does that look like for that offense? They they are not a team that wants to throw the ball fifty times. They just know that they can. <laughs> they, but they want to have a more balanced style. DeBoer, as you saw from weeks like six through thirteen, went to a more balanced run attack, um, and, and went to Dylan Johnson more and more in, in a lot of those bigger matchups that they had last year or had this year. Excuse me. So, I'm really interested to see how they'll be able to do with the, in the run game, um, and I'm really interested, like I said, to see if Michigan's DBs can hold up um, on the offensive end. Bro, it's going to come down to McCarthy, man. Like, dude, you're going to have to make – and it's not like he's going to have to be excellent all game long. He's going to have to make seven throws in this game, in my estimation. He's going to have to make seven to eight throws in this game that will that, that, that separate him from just being an average quarterback. And that will be very interesting in the way that they handle that because I, I really look at the way that he played against Bama, and he can't play that way again. Like, you almost do a pick on the first play of the game, bro. Like, you can't do that. And I'm going to be honest. He's going to see a similar – he's going to see a very similar secondary as far as their aggressiveness with Washington. Um, Washington is a very – and has always been a very well-coached secondary. Uh, they've, they've, they, may, they may not have had the high-end drafted guys, but they're always very well-coached, and they play a lot of man. And they're going to force McCarthy to throw in tight windows all day long. Um and this is where for me, and, and I talked about it, you know, in, in a space previously, this is this is a game where Washington's experience against some of the higher end quarterbacks in college football this year may prove to be what ultimately helps them win this game. When you've had to play Bo Nix twice, when you've had to play Caleb Williams once, when you've had to play for uh, Fafita at, 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 um, at Arizona, when you had to play Shador Sanders at Colorado. You prepared for some of the best arm talent in the country this year, and seeing J.J. McCarthy and putting together a scheme for him is going to be maybe a little bit easier for them. I'm going to have Washington in this game. I think it's going to. It, I think it's going to be very, very close. Um, if I had to give a score prediction, I think it's going to be somewhere like 33-27. Pretty high scoring, uh, yeah. I, I feel like for the Natty. But breaking we'll news. Oh. <laughs> of, of a report it's uh, nothing nothing final but uh sounds like i believe this was uh, brendan marcello of uh, 247 uh said that lsu is targeting missouri defensive coordinator blake baker uh for that that dc role so we're gonna have to go back and and revamp the whole uh top mm. 25 
All right, we'll do it next. We'll do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, I was gonna say you guys can. I'm done. So uh, I've I've had enough college football this year. All right, uh, I'm already done. So, uh, but yeah, no, that is the end of the show. Uh, remember, you can follow us on the Twitter at Campus the Number Two Canton at CFB Winning Edge for Nick at Xavier underscore Tristierice for Xavier and at Bogman Sports for myself. Uh, enjoy the Natty, and we will see you guys next week. Take it easy, everybody.